Infections are infectious Like a dog scratched ear But pleasure is high Welcome to the Box Tunnel Survivors Group, a place for those affected by the issues raised in the TV show, Being Human. Hello, my name is Michael and I am as serious as cancer when I say... We are now on to the second series of Being Human. Before we get on to Joe Simpson, my guest for this episode, I just want to go through a bit of cast watch. And I'm sure most of you know, if you don't, where have you been? Aidan is in a new play in London at the Harold Pinter Theatre. It's a limited run between January and March next year. It's in a play called Lemons, Lemons, Lemons. And he co-stars alongside Jenna Coleman. And it's essentially about... A world where you can only communicate in 240 characters. Um, which we kind of do anyway, because we live on Twitter. But yes, it's a limited run of about two months. Uh, I'm sure tickets will be flying out, especially with the two names involved. Um, so I'd get your tickets pretty quick. So it's a busy time for our original trio, because Lenora Critchlow is back in the second series of Avenue 5. Uh, written by Amando Iannucci. It is set in space. It is about a space cruise ship filled with horrible, really rich tourists. And it goes off course. And being Ianucci, it is obviously very satirical. I haven't delved into Series 2 yet. Series 1, I liked. It was hit and miss. The main star is Hugh Laurie. But obviously, it's got a lot of great moments in it. It's um, very different from the normal space set sitcoms you would get. So I'd highly recommend it. And finally, Russell is starring in the latest series of American Horror Story, subtitled NYC. I believe now it is available on Disney+. Plus. I personally haven't seen a series of American Horror Story since series 1, so I'm going to bypass 2 to 10 and just get straight to 11. But enough of other TV shows. They're not important. Let's get to the main one. Episode 1 of series 2. Cure and Contagion. Let's go. Joining me for the first time on the podcast is Joe Simpson. Welcome to the pod. Hello. Thank you so much. We've got our very own Barry Island tourist guide. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to love it. It's a great place to live. What's your address? Um, without giving it too much away to the internet, <laughs> I basically live two streets away from uh, yeah the Being Human house. It's all right. I'll just put your address on the show notes. Yeah, yeah. No worries. So everyone's going to come <laughs> round to your house, expect a Barry Island guide, not just Being Human, Gavin and Stacey. Oh, I live yeah about literally coming off the street from the Gavin and Stacey house as well. So it's all going on. <laughs> so in honour of that, I thought I'd ask you, and the best things in Being Human comes in freeze. Oh yeah, of course. What are your three favourite being human locations in Barry Island. I th- so I was thinking about this a lot, and I feel like it goes underrated. But um, that wicked fight scene with McNair in the fair—that's got to be oh, mentioned, yeah. surely. I completely forgot about it, and then I was thinking about it, and the fair is somehow still up and running here, and I don't really know how because it shouldn't be. It, but yeah, I haven't <laughs> been to Barry for a few years, but it always looks like it's closed. Oh, it's not the anymore. Fair. We've got um, like one of the biggest rides in the UK, apparently, which is very dangerous, I feel, in Barry Island. See, I told you you were a tourist guide. <laughs> yeah, for real. You're selling it. I can see it, the ride from my window and it looks horrifying. <laughs> um, I think the bandstand for that very sad moment between Alex and Hal has to have a little mention. Yeah, just across the road, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I would say just under the pillars where um, Mitchell brings Annie back has like got a little special special moment for me as well, just yeah. overlooking the beach. Now that is, I don't ask me why, I was just watching Gold or Watch or whatever it's called nowadays, yeah. and Gavin and Stacey was on the other week. Oh, yeah. And those pillars are, pillars are quite prominent in Gavin and Stacey, aren't they? They are, yeah. There, um, yeah, I watched it too, actually, even though I've seen it about a million times. We watched it on repeat. <laughs> do they still do? When I last went, they still did. Can't they? Can't still do this. Back, uh, Gavin and Stacey tours. 
Oh yeah, of course they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like most days, it's like Dave's coaches comes up and down our street because I think they have to go this way to go to the beach. Oh wow! Yeah, they still do it. Still going. Oh man, that's yeah. mental. I know. You think it would have died down a bit, but no, people still love it. Well, to be honest, yeah. there's a podcast about a cult TV show <laughs> being human, so I guess I know I can't call people sad for doing it. <laughs> it's not sad. It's cool. <laughs> okay, so what first brought you to being human? Uh, how old were you, and what was the circumstances? I was quite young, I think. Um, has it been? Has it been ten years since the first series? A bit longer? Oh no, it's been longer. Well, I'm 25 now, so I was I was well, quite young when I first two, saw it. First series was 2009. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I was. I probably shouldn't have been watching it, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember seeing. I think it was towards the end of series one. Actually, one of my friends was obsessed with it, and I've always kind of loved. I don't want to say horror, but it kind of is. Been interested in horror and ghosts and stuff, and it was like the perfect blend of all of that. And I don't think I was supposed to be up watching it, but I managed to find it and then went back to the beginning of series one and watched all of it and just got massively obsessed with it. And I think then on Twitter, obviously, we found people that loved it and found a little following. And uh, yeah, I just I watched it every day before school. And like it was all I talked <laughs> about in school, <laughs> which I'm sure made me really popular. <laughs> <laughs> who's this weirdo yeah they were like oh this kid keeps talking about vampires and i'm like oh yeah that's gonna get me loads of mates <laughs> but i guess what you're right in the sense that there is quite a lot of horror elements in it, it yeah. people think of it as a comedy drama supernatural comedy drama but there is quite some gory stuff in there yeah there's some grisly things in it and i always think like it's yeah it is a comedy but there's some bits in it that are absolutely gut-wrenching What would you you identify yourself as, a vampire, werewolf, or a ghost? Oh, I think in terms of hairiness, about uh, a werewolf, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But my friend said the other day that I give immortal energy, and I don't really know where that comes from. Immortal energy, that's good. And maybe my sleeping schedule would uh, would say vampire. uh... (laughs) So you're... I was going (laughs) to... I was going to say a person of the night, but that just yeah. sounds, wrong. <laughs> sounds a bit dodgy. <laughs> what would you be? Uh, I think I'd be a ghost. Yeah, I think that would probably be the best one. Well, I mean, and being invisible is not good. No, but, but sometimes also, it is. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always think, oh, you could steal stuff, but that's not really how ghost rules work. And you couldn't do anything with it anyway. So if you were to die today and it's yes. not a th- it's not a threat <laughs> you're at my door right now <laughs> um what would your unfinished business be if you were left in limbo oh that's such a good question um wow i don't know actually i think it would be something ridiculous like try and kill a tory mp or something like that <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, I do not condone hate crime on this podcast. (laughs) Joe's views. Um, Strictly my own. (laughs) I think it would be really something really stupid. I think I'd try and haunt someone who was like vaguely rude to me once. Yeah. And that you've held a bit of resentment for years. Yeah. I think it would be something really petty. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. We'll crack on with, hey, we've made it to series two. Yeah. Lovely stuff. It's my favourite episode, I think, out of all of them. Uh, Cure and Contagion, which yes. aired on January the 10th, 2010. And as well as now our four-piece, because obviously Nina is the main part of the cast now, yep. we have Lindsay Marshall as Lucy, Donald Sumter as Kemp, Amy Manson as Davey, Daisy, Paul Reese as Ivan, and let's get started. Lovely. Now, I think the first 15 minutes sets up a complete tonal shift for Series 2. Yeah. Sure. I don't I don't buy the theory that everything at the start of series 1 was all lightness and happiness because it wasn't absolutely not but I think in comparison to where the show then goes I suppose it is yeah definitely Be- because here the first thing we see is Mitchell and George in a pub and they look completely fucking miserable. <laughs> That's literally what I've written over. George and Ms. Mitchell look miserable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> George is moaning about... Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. George is moaning about Nina and there's a real aggression to him the way... And this seems to be away from the werewolf, like we've seen it always tied to the werewolf before. Yeah. This is just him between changes and he's just got that aggravation about Nina, aggravation Mm. about... He's he's got a temper to him that he can't control. For sure. Uh, Yeah, it always seems like he's kept it separate, but um, they kind of... You see him kind of merging now. I think, yeah, and then series two is a lot of about that merging, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. But as Mitchell rightly puts points out, he says, she saw you kill someone. And it's when George says, I hate this place, it's just really petulant and childish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like a massive thing that, like, I don't know, probably one of the worst things you could ever see, like, the love of your life do, and he's just sort of still pissed off at her for it. Yes, yeah. And of course, he doesn't know yet, but yes. it's, yeah. So it's more deep than that. Yeah. So George heads outside to wait for Mitchell and is greeted by the sounds of a sobbing woman. He sees someone on the floor claiming to have been attacked and then George offers a hand. And Daisy, as we are soon to know her, says, can I just claim for the record, huge fan. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, uh, I love Daisy and Ivan. How can you not love Daisy and Ivan? They're so chaotic and <laughs> very much evil, but I'm also like, wow, they're a power couple. Well, this is the thing. Like, this is, I think this is another part of why there's a tonal shift these first 15 minutes especially of this episode are very different from what we've seen in series one firstly i think there's more of a darkness going on you can feel that tension and broodiness which i love yeah me too secondly i think with daisy and ivan who soon soon appears lurking behind george is they're both big performances for daisy and ivan aren't they they're very much I, i mean other than herrick in series one Everything was kind of on a flat line. All the all the other performances, but Daisy and Ivan just come in and just like give it welly, don't they? Yeah, they're they're so charismatic, and I think they are very much sort of evil and corrupt. But you do kind of want to like them. They're very funny as well. So you said this is one of your favorite ep- your favorite of the series, and yeah. I know that you're a big Ivan fan. What is <laughs> yes, what I is am. it about Ivan? I don't know. He's just well. One, he's Welsh, which we love. Um, <laughs> I couldn't world. notice. I couldn't tell from his accent. Oh, really? Are you being <laughs> yeah. sarcastic by any chance? <laughs> I, <am. laughs> I would love to meet him. I've, I've, apparently, he still lives in Wales, but I never, I never have seen him. But um, yeah, I think they're very. Um, yeah, the, the way he comes in and just sort of smacks Mitchell, and you find out they're actually like we're quite good friends. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's very funny to me, and I think they're very compelling. Um, and like you said, yeah, they come in super strong. And just, yeah, um, I think it's like new energy we haven't really seen from um, any of the other vampires and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're great. I just, uh, I really like them. And that's it. Like, Paul Reese is, uh, is a theatre actor and you can really yeah, see that, like, can. radiating off the screen. He's just loving, loving what he's doing. Yeah, I love the, the line about when he talks about, we'll be listening to Miss Kate Bush in the car as well. That very yeah. cracks me up. <laughs> So Mitchell comes out and breaks up the fight and Daisy and Ivan run away like naughty little children. <laughs> uh, back at the pink house. Well, that should be a hashtag, really. That should be what this podcast could have been called. in. The oh, world. that would have been great. Back at, back at the pink house. Yeah. Uh, Nina and Annie are having a bit of a heart to heart. Yeah. Uh, Nina reveals her scratch, but Annie said he hadn't changed, though, had he? But I love Nina's line. But his nails needed clipping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I just feel awful for Nina. I really it's a, do. It's a massive episode for George and Nina as well. Yeah. I think a, a lot happens in this episode, actually. I think that's why it is one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, she she's seen George kill Herrick, and then she's thinking, oh, my God, is this what my life's going to be from now on? Is that what I'm going to end up like? And I think, yeah. obviously, George doesn't realise, but it's, it's massive for her. She's just sort of been dragged into this world, and now even more so. I think she's just absolutely terrified. So back to the chase and George is gunning for Daisy, his moon hormones driving him crazy. They split up. Mitchell goes after Ivan. Now, Miss Flirty Pants Daisy uses her charms on George. She says, a lot of vampires, it's all about the blood and world domination. Me and Ivan, we're just about the tourism. (laughs) (laughs) How can you not like them? They just, they crack me. Uh, No, I just think it's, 
a lot of vampires in general t- tv and film are quite dark and brooding and yeah. they're just they're just having the time of their lives yeah they're hilarious it's just sort of two of them against the world and i think they've uh yeah it's very nice to have a sort of different energy with them just sort of having a laugh even though it is very dark stuff that they're talking about so ivan attacks mitchell in the car park and to add insult to injury uh he said oh mate you look awful (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love it it's um it's quite funny when you find out how close they sort of were that he just uh, were that he just sort of runs up to him and smacks him. <laughs> but then I think he's protecting George, and obviously that's a massive no-no for vampires. So Ivan has gone after George because of what he did to Herrick. This is why Daisy and yes. Ivan are in Bristol. He was one of us, and he said, "I love this fact." He said because he's he's alluding to the fact that the vampires are rudderless and they've got no leader now. Yes. And uh, he's saying they're all going to be gunning for George. His dance car's going to be pretty full. I'm not even <laughs> going to attempt the accent, but I just <laughs> love the way he says it. Yeah, they keep it really light, even though it's very serious. I think, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good comedy in this show. Yeah. So Daisy's alluding to the same thing with George. I couldn't wait to meet you, Killer of Kings. Yeah, I've got that written down. That's a lovely line. And they strangely, it's really weird, they air hump each other while reminiscing about murder. Yeah, it is quite strange, and I think that's when you start to see this massive shift in George, because you're like, compared to series one George, that's just something that he would never, ever do. Even the sort of awkwardness we see with George in series one. Um, Yeah, it's very, very strange. Like the animal is winning out, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, he's kept these two parts of him separate for so long, and he just can't stop them from sort of merging. They then snog, and this is a very well-placed parallel because Nina is telling Annie all about her traumatic dreams and she doesn't yes. want to tell George <laughs> just yet. Yes. Yeah, it's, um, I thought that was... I noticed that when I watched it. I, hadn't, I haven't watched um, series two in a while, actually. And I was like, oh, that was really beautiful, seeing, uh, yeah, seeing the comparison between it, or the juxtaposition, rather. And then Ivan's back to his theatrical best taking out someone like Carrick is never clean it's never clinical it leaves a wound and wounds get infected yeah <laughs> it's true there, there's going to be massive consequences for what he's done and I'm not sure he quite realizes that yet I really like the cut straight after that he go, he says that and then he goes he suddenly drops his voice and goes I was in Baghdad <laughs> I don't know why that always makes me. It's like, whoa, where are we going here? <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> What's Baghdad got to do? What? Yeah, for real. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where this is going, but I'm listening. Yeah, you'd, you'd listen to him all day. <laughs> I really would. He has a beautiful voice. Uh, Mitchell's having none of it. He says, we go back to the shadows where we hide. The revolution has been cancelled. Yes. Um, I think he's definitely fearful at this point of what is going to happen and i don't think yeah we don't really know the proper implications of killing what killing someone like herrick would be like although we see very soon now george is having his own trouser revolution getting off with daisy (laughs) until ivan knows calls her and he knows full well what she's up to doesn't he oh yeah i i was watching it back and i was like does he and i was like yeah of course he does Mm. like he must and I, i i presume he doesn't care but also I'm not sure. I think he must know what... I think they've kind of devised this plan together and I think he does know, but yeah, very strange couple. I, yeah. <laughs> Ivan and Daisy remind me, back with an ex-girlfriend years oh, ago, we, we stayed... No, don't get, <laughs> hear me out. We stayed We stayed for a night in Western Soup and Bear. Now, okay. we were approached in the bar one night by a Welshman and a <laughs> Scottish lady who... but basically wanted to take us back to their caravan i'm not making that up that's what they wanted oh my to God. do that sounds very much like yeah <laughs> Jesus. and it's just uh, they they cut they had they they had that kind of same energy it's like swinger energy <laughs> yeah proper swinger energy <laughs> yeah uh, we we declined just yeah just, oh i mean it. if it was real then maybe but also maybe not it might be because we were early 20s and they're about 55 also caravan, caravans surely aren't very caravan. sexy yeah. Caravan. 
just cold, I think, and maybe a bit damp. <laughs> <laughs> if the caravan's rocking, Daisy and Ivan are rocking. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Ivan calls Daisy and she makes a leave and she says, I love this. We're, we're staying in a travel lodge, find me. And then she flashes her ass at him. Oh, yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah, he must know, surely. I don't think he cares either very much. <laughs> I don't think he cares. I mean, no. I don't know. But I, I think for this, he's, he's, you know, he's. they know that Daisy's gone in to flirt with George yeah. because that's what she does. Yeah, And exactly. he knows that's just a way of power play i guess yeah for sure i think it's like they're like kind of trying to corrupt him a little bit but as they leave ivan t- tells them you're sliding into chaos here and and i love the good neighbors reference here hey bouncer we're not done yet yeah it's great isn't it <laughs> i love all the um the horrible nicknames that they uh give george as well just generally like werewolf yeah. nicknames yeah um, they flee into the night and search for a late night takeaway, and by that I mean a human to eat. <laughs> and George, uh, Mitchell said, oh, George says, I managed to fight them off, and Mitchell notices, yeah, you've got some lipstick on your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> George just looks so dumbstruck as if like he wouldn't know what was happening. Like as if Mitchell had no clue that that's exactly what happened. Yeah, so look, this 15 minutes is it gets series off to a very different start you can see immediately that it's setting out to be darker and bigger yes but what i would say is i'm very glad that it settles down after this yeah it was a lot it is a lot to take on isn't it i guess especially you know at the time it's you're introducing new characters there's the, the the prospect of nina being a werewolf and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah, I'm glad we have a little bit of a like comic relief and a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of a calm down after this. So hashtag back at the pink house. Nina and George are in the bedroom. George trying to seduce Nina, but she tells him to sit down. And already there's such a mood in this scene. Yeah. Yet alone, what happens in a later scene? It's just they don't even have to be saying much, but that intensity and tension, it's just palpable, isn't it? Yeah, it's um. Is yeah, I've I've got. I was a bit shocked. I think I remember watching this for the first time and thinking like, this is this is not the George we know at all, and he's so like quick to bite with Nina, and um, like yeah, super aggressive and it's uh yeah, it's uncomfortable really to watch. She said she says it's a lot to take in. Werewolves, ghosts, vampires. I didn't even believe in homeopathy before this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they head downstairs and it's so awkward that even Annie's small talk can't fill in the cracks. Yeah, it's um, yeah, very obvious that they're having massive problems. Yeah. But she does get their attention eventually. She says, OK, shut up. I'm going to tell you I've applied for a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when she starts working in the pub, it's great. Uh, yeah, it's at the new found out a pub just a few doors down. Yes. Uh, you serious? A furrow browed Mitchell asks. Well, I'm as serious as cancer when I say rhythm is a dancer. <laughs> I forgot about that line. <laughs> and then it's weirdly followed by an apprentice audition. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's good, though. Very good. Uh, the disembodied spirit of a dead woman getting a job in the service industry. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Uh, like George gets... calls a squishy. Yes, that's true. But you're squishy, yeah. George gets some digs in on Mitchell. I know what this is about. You, Your own lack of purpose. You're not in a relationship. You don't have a family. Bloodlust under control. After a life that's been consistently violent and chaotic, you're nothing left. There's nothing left to safeguard. You're like a piece of deadly furniture. I've got written on my notes, deadly furniture in capital letters and underlined. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Toby just fought to come up with deadly furniture as an image. It's incredible. It is very, yeah, it conjures a lot. It's very good. It's one of my favourite lines, I think, in the, in the whole show. In a way, he's kind of right, though. He is. Because, I, especially in Series 2, Mitchell's story is very slow-burning. 
It is. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it probably kicks in till f- episode three. Yeah. But for now, he is deadly furniture. He is not leading <laughs> the vampires or trying to lead the, or trying to direct the vampires in a certain way. No. He's got no Herrick. Exactly. Yeah, he he's is... not wrong. Yeah. The, the yeah. Um, attention's definitely shifted away from him. Yeah, and this episode points out markedly because George and Nina have got their thing going on and he's got her thing. Mm-hmm. And um, for a change, probably for the first time in being human, Mitchell is kind of in the background. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it is, um, it's very strange and I think it, it would be frustrating for him. Cut to the pub and Annie's interview with the befuddled Hugh. <laughs> oh, bless him. <laughs> and typically Annie is the interviewer. Uh, it's such a sweet little scene it after is. what we just had. Yeah, it's very fitting and very, very nice change of uh, change of pace, I think, afterwards. And I like it when she calls him Darren. Oh, yeah. And he's like, that's not my name. That's his name. <laughs> no, no, Hugh. Yes. <laughs> so she gets the job. Um, I don't know how. But I don't know how. I, th- I just, well, I just think Hugh's desperate. Yeah. I At the hospital. At the hospital, Mitchell walks in on the unisex toilets and the lady starts crying and reeling off her sorrows. Uh, mainly including the fact that she split up from someone, she's lost a goldfish, and she works with people who wouldn't even IWJF. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to say the acronym? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even jizz on her face. Now, like the... This is what it comes to. Again, it's something like deadly furniture. Yeah. It's like when he gets to a moment in the script and goes, I know, yeah. I'm just going to write, I wouldn't even jizz on her face. <laughs> we'll just throw this in. And what a perfect, like, good impre- uh, first impression of someone as well. <laughs> also, the look when she shuts the door, she kind of pulls a face. And... I don't know. I guess it's only knowing in hindsight what's happened. Yeah, she knows what she's doing. But it's clear she's playing a game. But in that instance, I think you can just think that, oh, she thought, oh, he's cute. Yeah. It, it might be just that kind, that kind of look and not the long-term plan that we know. Yeah, I think, look at, yeah, knowing, knowing what we know, it could be either, but it's very clever. What are your impressions? Obviously, she doesn't appear much in this episode. What are your views on lucy as a character forgetting forgetting the fact of what she does <laughs> yeah. you know just as a, as a character i know she's very horrible but i think when we uh first got introduced to her i quite liked her i thought she was very funny mm. um obviously very moody but yeah i um, i think sorry no, i think she's a really strong character because also yeah. i think it's someone that's just giving it back a human that's giving it back to mitchell and he a lot of the time he can't take it yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. I think she comes in uh, very brass, and I, I really like that. I think, yeah, as a great as an introduction, the first introduction from someone, I think, is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, George is prepping for full moon night, and this is excellent use of lullaby by the Cure. Oh, that's so what I've good. got written on my notes as well. <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? It's... Yeah. And whereas on full moon nights before, we've seen him nervous, tetchy worried he leaves the house and just takes a big big breath in and he's just embracing that werewolf and it's also giving him an arrogance and it's been aided by the killing of herrick really hasn't it yeah he he looks um like almost excited well he does he looks excited he looks uh like as before yeah we've seen him he's super nervous it's not something that he enjoys but he's uh very much embracing it and looking forward to it it seems like yeah and even him walking down the train tracks with yeah. that little stride that's a good good symbolism of where he's at mentally i think i think so too yeah i've got it written on my notes as well it's um yeah it's a totally different george to what we've seen before so nina and annie enter the isolated chamber under the hospital and we get a glimpse through that keyhole again yes uh the place where she was scratched will be the place where she finds out she's a werewolf I just feel so sorry for her. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, yeah, I do like that she goes back to sort of the scene of the crime of where it happens. But also, there's just a massive... Yeah, that's where she saw 
George Kilherrick as well, and then you just you can sort of see her mind is absolutely reeling and she is terrified. It's 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 heavy in symbolism. Them it going really back is. there, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. We then cut to the a place called the facility for the first time. Yes. And the scary man is speaking to a guy called Mr. Galvin in a decompression chamber just two minutes before full moon hits. Mr. Kemp is terrifying. He he's so horrible isn't he? he is he's really really horrifying he's he's got that authority and menace though that i really like yeah me too i think um yeah yeah he does he does creep me a lot <laughs> back in the hospital annie notices that all of herrick's innards have gone <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't put it like that no not quite uh, like that but this, I love this next collection of clips. Like Nina asks if George gets frightened and Danny replies, yes, I'm sure he does. But then we cut to George stood in the woods naked singing, if you go down to the woods today, <laughs> clearly like this is it. He, whereas before he's never been like that. No, he, he always looks really horrified and anxious before, but he is, um, yeah, I think he's sort of reveling in it really. Yeah, it's, it's what, that side of the werewolf is filtering into his everyday persona, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And it gives him, um, yeah, I think he's almost excited to sort of, yeah, have that experience, I think. Whereas before, yeah, it was very, very separate and it's just slowly sort of bleeding into his everyday life. So Kemp and his assistant let slip a lie. They, Mr. Galvin finds out that they've done this previously and he starts banging, panicking and banging on the glass. What happens to the other werewolves, he shouts. And this is an answer we see written down a few episodes down the line. Uh, and the assistant keeps raising the pressure inside the chamber. Now, the theory of this is obviously it's to, to reverse the effects of the moon and then for the werewolf not to be released. Yeah. Not sure how they thought that was going to work. But, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But what a great moment this is. Mr. Galvin flails about in a panic. We see zoom into Nina's face as her body contorts and she says, it's coming. And then there's George loving it, screaming, come on. The two, again, <laughs> the two odds of that. It's incredible, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Nina is obviously terrified and George is just, yeah, again, really, really excited for it to happen. Yeah. And then Nina and George's bodies start cracking while in the chamber, the dramatic pause and nothing. And it looks like their experiment has worked. Yeah. Uh, it looks like he's beaten the moon until blood starts spilling from his veins and he starts rolling about in his own blood. Very gory. I fucking love it, though. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, <laughs> me too. But it is. So it's not, not what I expected the first time I watched it. I was like, oh, maybe it has worked. Absolutely not. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. There's no fun in that. No. Yeah, so Kemp like slipping on his own blood. Yeah. So Kemp says, increase the pressure. <laughs> and uh, it's just fucking gruesome. He just rolls about. And I'm sure there is a, a bit where his like head and skull changes shape a bit. There is. Yeah. His eyes are like super swollen. Oh. I think like there's like pressure trapped in there. Always kind of started to transform maybe a little bit. It's, uh, it's yeah, very grisly. It's not, not a good way to go. Oh, man, it's horrible, but such yeah. a brilliant scene. It is. So, George, we don't really see Nina's reaction to being wolfed up, but George runs around the woods for a run. And the creepy assistant says, that was our last type three. Yes. But, I mean, that is... I haven't watched this episode for a while, by my standards. And, and when all this was... Mo cut together i just thought fucking hell this is why i love this show yeah i think this that's one why it's one of my favorite episodes because i feel like tonally we're really sort of up and down but in the best and most exciting way like a lot mm. happens like you have that really fluffy scene with you and annie and then you get to a scene like this and i'm like yeah this is why i love the show so much yeah uh the next morning nina is led on the floor uh like one of those french girls being painted uh <laughs> George, however, is hugging the corpse of a stag. Yeah, very grim. Witnessed, of course, from the distance by Daisy. 
tut tut you're very close to the city and she rolls him down his bag of clothes <coughs> yeah so she's sort of yeah she's seeked him out again yeah you uh, said oh that's sweet you might tear someone's throat out but god forbid anyone see your winky <laughs> i like that she says winky <laughs> Yeah, Daisy doesn't look like the kind of person who would say the word winky. No, it made me giggle when I watched it and kind of forgot that that's what she used. That's the word she used. I don't think she's a winky person. I would say absolutely not, but <laughs> <laughs> apparently so. Okay, so Nina admits she doesn't want to tell George that she's a werewolf and Danny says, I'll tell him. If you do, I'll give you fucking rabies. You <laughs> yeah, that line is great. Yeah. If you think this is about my vanity, this will destroy him. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I I was when I was watching it back, I was kind of thinking like, well, surely he would be the easiest person to tell. But also, yeah, it would. He would be so distraught. Yeah. And yeah, as, like, as we soon find out. Yeah, he absolutely is. <laughs> Uh, George, still covering his winky, tells Daisy there are two types of supernatural, those that hate it and your side who are always desperate to make us enjoy this, to drag us across. It's like you're trying to infect us. Yeah, I think this is sort of maybe when George kind of realises this really isn't, like his behaviour hasn't kind of been matching up to what he sort of believes in with, with with the curse and stuff. And we do see a bit of a, I feel like you see a bit of a shift in his behaviour after this. Yeah, and I think it's just an exaggeration of where George was going in episode five and six of series one. He's just trying to convince himself of that more than anything. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I think, yeah, he he really doesn't want to end up in in a spot like what Ivan Daisy are like now. Yeah. So Daisy, Daisy, no knickers, doesn't buy it. You killed he- you killed Herrick, and it's like it opened the door, and now you're wondering whether to step through. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think she's really sort of getting inside his head at this point, and I think everything she says is sort of true, kind of up to what we've been seeing the way he's behaving like. And this is proof that Daisy's not a winky woman. When I met Ivan, he said, "Come and see the world and fuck." Yeah. Sorry, but can you think of a better way to spend your life? <laughs> That's not what he wants for himself. No. <laughs> no. Uh, soon enough, they're rutting next to the dead stag. <laughs> Let's not forget, there's a stag just out of shot. I, I did forget. And, uh, <laughs> I wish I still had forgotten. <laughs> there's something about death and, but, you know, blood. It just makes Daisy horny. Yeah, for real. I wonder why. And weirdly, watching from the bushes, it's Ivan. Yeah, and that also makes me think, is he that happy about this? He doesn't really look it. He doesn't look it from his face, no. No, I wouldn't say so. I think if I had carried on and accepted the offer of the Welsh man and the Scottish lady in Western Supermare, I think that would have been the guy's face too. (laughs) (laughs) Popping up from the bushes. Yeah, outside the window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I would say what's not discussed enough on this is the fact that George fucking cheats on Nina. This is what I was also sort of reeling about when I watched it because I remembered it happened, but I was like, it never really gets mentioned. No. Like, ever. I know, like, she she can smell perfume on him and stuff afterwards, but no one talks about yeah he fully cheated on her no and i think if you think about nina didn't get hatred in the fandom that's an exaggeration but i'd say nina didn't get as much love in the fandom because of a consequence of some of her actions yeah caused bad things yeah i i personally did really like nina but there was definitely um she wasn't liked as much as like i think she should have been and yeah, this is a massive thing. He fully cheats on her, and just because she doesn't find out doesn't mean that he didn't do it. But and the thing with Nina that everything that she does, she does from a moral standpoint and from yeah. a for, with good intentions. Yes. Now, a lot of it doesn't end up that way. But say if Nina had cheated on George, 
the amount the of hate she be. got would have been <laughs> insane, I think. Yeah, everyone just sort of forgets, and they're like, oh yeah, George is so wholesome. I'm like, well, he is, but he did also cheat on her. And it just, yeah. um, I think, does he ever tell Mitchell? I think Mitchell probably knows. Right. I think he probably just picks he, up on the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, yeah, the lipstick was a big giveaway. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's very strange. I don't really understand why it wasn't ever addressed, but there's so much going on. I think that might be the reason why. But yeah, I thought it was really bizarre that it just never... It never seemed to get mentioned in the fandom and yeah. in the show. He's not really given any stick for it. No, he just gets away with that. I'd say, don't blame it on the moon hormones. Blame it on the Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just fully cackled. <laughs> it doesn't really scan, but I don't care. No, it was funny. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Mitchell cuts a forlorn figure waiting for Nina, Nina and Annie's return. You you knew, Nina says. Not for sure, not till now. And Mitchell offers words of encouragement and Nina is not <laughs> happy about it. She's not having it. And that's what, again, if we're talking about why Nina's a great character, she just cuts through the bullshit. Oh yeah, she does not care. Even in the scenes where uh, George is trying to sort of chat up Nina, she's not having it. No. Not I think this is I think this is about your conscience. You encouraged me and George. You loaded a gun and you fired it fired it into a crowd. And then she goes, bang. Yeah. That's a great line. It's a fucking good line. And very it's true. Good. It is. It's very true. Because that that's the thing a lot of thing about series one, you know, they're encouraging and you know, each other to get into relationships and be be that normal. But they all know that there's a consequence to that. Yeah, there's a massive consequences, and yeah, I think I think she is right, and from her point of view, like if you knew that this was someone's life, why would you ever want to invite someone into it with the chance that they would also be turned into a werewolf? <laughs> and she sees how sort of life ruining it is, or it can be for George, and she, uh, yeah, I think she's very rightfully pissed off. Then George comically enters the room, putting his keys through an imaginary door. <laughs> I didn't notice that. He, does, he kind of walks in, he just holds it up, like almost near Nina's face, and just goes, ooh, what's up? What's going did he, on? Did he not notice the door was open then? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I really didn't notice that. That's very funny. Uh, he senses the atmosphere, and, and Nina says, nothing, George. It's all wine and roses. Yeah, it's definitely not. Now, the next scene properly slays me. It's back in George's bedroom. It's brutal. It's brutal. Like, you can say a lot of people would think about being human. Oh, it's a comedy, supernatural drama. But then, if you just showed someone this, like, clip of this scene... I would highly disagree. Fucking hell, this is intense. I was getting a bit teary watching it. I was like, oh my god, and I know what happens. (laughs) Like, the show has definitely made me cry more than... It's made me laugh, I think. Actually, maybe equal, but it's definitely not always fluffy. <laughs> so Nina's trying to just deflect and have a, a standard conversation. Are you hungry? And George says, no, I think I a stag, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. And then Nina's discussing. He says, OK, we can add that to the list of things we don't talk about. And she tells him to have a shower. And it just the aggression... Like yeah. he he literally charges towards her and like shouts yeah. in her face. He really he runs at her and that I was like, oh my god, this is yeah definitely not George that we knew before. It's yeah, I, I think it's one of the things he does that really sort of it's quite shocking really to watch, especially from what we've sort of been led to believe he's like. Um, yeah, it didn't it didn't make me like George very much in this episode. No, and the way Nina stands her ground, she goes, "What was that? You think you scare me?" Uh, yeah, she's not. This this might be one of the most realistic arguments I've ever seen on TV, and it's about mm. it's about someone turning into a werewolf. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's just so raw and weighed down in the bad atmosphere, and just it is. Russell and Sinead are just fucking incredible in this oh, scene. They honestly, are. they really are. The way they're shouting and sighing and their tense bodies, and it's so real. Yeah, even like the talking over each other and like. Um... You know, the way he goes and sits on the bed and she goes off to the other corner of the room. And that room is tiny as well. I think it sort of amplifies the the whole thing. It does make it feel a lot more real. Yeah, absolutely. Claustrophobic, isn't it? Definitely. 
she, she says, I didn't just find out there's no Santa and George screams again. This is not about you. It's so selfish. <laughs> like she just had her life ruined. He is a prick this episode. <laughs> he massively is. Actually, Mitchell earlier says, you're a twat at the moment. You know yeah. that. And he, he is, he's right. He is right. And uh, Nina smells perfume on him. And this is where he, he deflects even more and accuses her of sleeping with Mitchell. <laughs> Which I think is very funny. But also, yeah, he's just sort of clutching at straws, I think. Because he knows he's massively fucked up. And even the way she just goes, Jesus Christ, and now you give me this is just fucking mega. It's just, what it a really performance. Is. I think he kind of, in his panic, forgets how smart Nina is as well. Yeah, just exactly. absolutely not having this conversation. And then she says, you gave it to me, George. And he goes, what? And then she reveals her arm. And you can see his mind just trying to process it. Yeah. The fact he, he just leaves. He's like, can't can't deal with it. No, he can't even console her. No. She, she's crying there on the floor and he just walks out of the room. He, he, he just, just leaves. Yeah. He, yeah, he doesn't say anything. I think it's it's too big for him to like comprehend. Yeah. He, it, it, it's like his world's just imploded. Yeah, it, it really has. I just felt awful for Nina. But a very different scene next as we see Mitchell plant a goldfish on Lucy's desk. <laughs> yeah, Trevor. <laughs> say hello to Trevor, everyone. <laughs> I think this is this is a fleeting but powerful one scene performance from Trevor. I I do too. He he needs more credit. As romantic gestures go, it's an unusual one. Um, I feel like if someone did this to me and I told my friends, they would be like, "That is odd." But also, we have <laughs> lots of pets, so maybe not. It is quite strange, but kind of sweet. Lucy gets awkward and explains she's just out of a relationship, and Mitchell, for once, looks. Just baffled around a woman and looks like he wants to set himself on fire. Yeah, I think it's quite nice to see him um, not be or kind of rejected because we haven't really seen that before. <laughs> now, the new found out on Annie's first shift. <laughs> For some reason, she took, taught, turns into a right cockney geezer. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on there, squire. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the pub is dead. The first man that walks into the room, she fancies. Yeah, I don't think Sol is that attractive, but maybe <laughs> maybe he's not my type. Or maybe well, knowing what we know, there was a, There was a debate about that later, so... Okay. You you, you side with the not attractive, you, you side with the boys. Yeah, I do. Oh, that makes me feel bad now. <laughs> kind of uh, proves that, proved the girl's point on that. Can't find another man attractive. And also, can we take go back to 2010, please? £2.80 for a pint. Oh my God, I know. I watched it and I was like, are you serious? <laughs> That's not even the price of like a Coke now. No. £2.80. Not, not fair. <laughs> I love the way that Annie says, it's my first day. And he goes, really? You'd never know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the hospital, Nina George avoid getting into a lift together. Uh, that's not a strong message of how secure their relationship is. Yeah. Uh, his head is turned once again by Daisy as he spies her in the hospital. He yeah. finds her climbing the bed of an old woman and it turns out to be her daughter. Oh, this is it's so sad. She's very unhinged, though. But what, what I found strange to this is the voices. He could hear Daisy's voice. I thought that was really weird as well. I've I wrote some question marks on my notes saying Daisy's voice. Yeah, but this is like they did something like this in the pilot, didn't they? They had they had voices that George could hear. I think yeah, it was outside. That's true. So I thought they'd never got gone back to that again, but I've yeah. totally forgotten that. You, I don't know what it is. My only justification for it was that I could think of was maybe because it was so close after transforming that maybe his senses his senses were really heightened. But it still didn't make a lot of sense yeah. to be honest. No. Uh, as usual, Daisy's being a bit weird because she's threatening her daughter with scissors. Massive scissors as well. Fucking huge scissors. She said, I called in to see her at her house. I thought I'd done the job, but she's a fighter like me. And I wasn't entirely clear why she wanted to kill her own daughter. Um, no. I th yeah, I also didn't realise until I watched it again and I've watched the series hundreds of times as i'm sure we all have that she was in hospital because daisy had already attacked her hmm. i just never for some reason never connected never realized yeah. Yeah, yeah and i was like right okay so she's even more nuts than i thought that's great 
So Daisy is definitely turned on by the prospect of death again because she tries snogging George again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he's uh, not having it this time. For no, me. he stops it. And she sa- he says, she wanted you. Ivan just wanted a portable fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I would still go if that's what Paul Reese offered me. I'd take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, if it was a, a Daisy. Yeah, know. either, actually. Yeah. <laughs> All free, you can go to a caravan in Western Supermare. There we go, sorted. <laughs> he said, George says, it's not her fault, and then he comes to the realisation about Nina. Yes. Uh, this think... is another scene that gets me, like, George and Nina facing each other across the bridge, and he goes, oh. not you, don't let it be, Demi have done this to you. Yeah. He just crumples on the floor. Oh, it's, it's harrowing. It, yeah, he... he... He like grabs onto her leg. It's um, it's very very sad. I think he's finally come to the realization of how massive it is and what a dick he's been previously in this episode. What is I guess on this rewatch, I noticed this is very quickly kind of resolved, considering yeah. considering that massive scene we've literally just had, the fight scene. Yeah. But I guess that alludes to the fact that George isn't being a total prick this episode. He has realized. Yeah, he's just been a, a prick for a little bit. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, it does. It does get solved very quickly, and that's something I thought of as well. But I was like, oh, in all the massiveness, I think he does have. You know, he's not a total dick, and he does have obviously massive love and compassion for Nina. Yeah, and realizing sort of um, the hugeness of what's happened, and he sort of goes back to his ordinary self. So on Annie's first shift, Hugh is getting edgy with Saul. <laughs> we find out he's a property developer who's lost his phone and Annie offers her phone at the house. He says, I might murder you. And she goes, well, plenty of tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Saul's not giving me great first impressions for what he says, but you know. I, I love Saul as a character because I don't believe this thing that you have to like, particularly like and agree with every decision that a character makes. Oh no, Herrick is one of my favourite characters. Yeah, and I yeah. don't agree with sort of anything he does morally, but he is great. Well, you know, I'd hope you wouldn't agree with Herrick morally. Absolutely not, but he is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he comes in and just, he, he, he's a good foil for Annie and yeah. where series, uh, where episode two goes as well. I think he's yes. brilliant in episode two. No, I do. I do have to agree. So at the house, there's a conversation of everyone, uh, a convergence of everyone, sorry. Uh, George and Nina walk in to meet Saul, and George is immediately jealous about his <laughs> handsomeness. <laughs> and he doesn't even say that he's handsome first. No. And come on, George, you can't talk. You've literally just fucking slept with Daisy. I know, right? Come on. <laughs> just because no one's going to find out doesn't mean it didn't happen. And then Mitchell comes in and goes glares at him no he's not handsome and then george's smug face (laughs) very harsh you don't say that to someone's face either but here we are (laughs) and then she's like can we talk about something else and then he goes i'm a warehouse where i'm I'm a warehouse (laughs) (laughs) that would have changed the story dramatically i'm a warehouse (laughs) that would have been great (laughs) uh, she wouldn't fit in the house no that's true uh, and then George goes, well, I guess he's fairly handsome. Oh, but this, so I love. Saul. Yeah, I love this line by Annie. Let's hope he's deaf as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just sort of sat there. Uh, I think he's in yeah. the living room, isn't he? Literally five people talking about, four people talking about, firstly, how handsome he is. And one of them is a werewolf. Yeah, I yeah, that's very true. And also there's like a massive window in the kitchen and an open door. And they're just, yeah, they're just... Saul's just chilling, listening to everything. (laughs) Then Mitchell turns into a therapist again. He says no one had help for him when he was turned into a vampire. Now, I think this is... He's probably willfully deciding not to think of Herrick because obviously Herrick did help him, but not in the way that he would have wanted. No, yeah, I would would also agree. I'd say, mm, yeah, I don't know if you can call it help, but he definitely had people there to sort of guide him, if we'll be in the wrong direction. And then he says, there's four of us now. And I love that little shot of all the four of them in the kitchen together. Yeah, it's very nice. Very wholesome. There's a knock at the door and we know what that means in being human. 
It's usually never bad. anything good. <laughs> never anything good. No. It's never. Yeah. It's never. Oh, here's your Amazon delivery. Yeah. It's always yeah someone trying to break into your house and kill you. It's always impending doom. Yeah, for real. So shifty guy from the facility is claiming to be from the gas board. And everyone needs to leave the house and everyone converges outside the pub. Annie is in an element bringing everyone tea. Yeah, it's very sweet. It is kind of sweet. And there's also a little throwaway line just to make sure that we know the neighbourhood isn't against them anymore. Where the old lady says to Mitchell, oh, sorry about all that trouble a few weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Also, I realised she was uh, Doris from Gavin and Stacey when I watched it back. Is it really? Yeah, it is. Very oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. I was like, she's been everywhere. She had a bus trip to Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but sort think... of uh, things look like they're looking up for them. And obviously we know in this show that's not going to last that very long. never happens. But also, no. none of the locals have ever thought, Annie's bringing out loads of cups of tea, talking to everyone. Not, not one local went, aren't you dead? Yeah. Didn't you die a year or so ago? Yeah, I thought that too. And I was like, well, no one even questioned if they didn't know she was dead, that she lived there the whole time. They just didn't see her. Like, where has she been? <laughs> where have you been, Annie? Yeah, yeah. Maybe she just thinks she's been on a holiday or taken a year out. <laughs> yeah. Surely it would be in the news and stuff. Yeah. Just yeah. let's not analyse the details. No, we'll just forget. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we find out that Annie is a PG tips girl. Ooh, Good old Annie. I'm not a... Uh, controversial i don't really like tea very much i'm just i'm more of a coffee man i know i feel like i'm gonna get so much hate for this <laughs> someone lent me uh not lent me because it's tea bags i'm not, I'm not giving them back please don't give them back <laughs> someone gave me uh, the other week yorkshire tea because they didn't like it and i thought i don't think i've had yorkshire tea before overrated oh really i'm, I'm saying it now yeah, I, I think people like my housemates drink PG tips as well, I'm sure. And that seems to be the general consensus. It's safe to say this podcast isn't going to be sponsored by Yorkshire Tea. That'd be nice, though. <laughs> yeah, it's not happening now. Blown up. Think of all the money. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, they only have celebrities in their efforts anyway, you know, so. Oh, yeah, true. Who, who's on it at the moment? I don't really know. Is it Was it Johnny Vegas or was that someone else? Oh. Many years ago, I'm going to say. That's many years ago, yeah. Like when I was a kid, I think. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell breathes out a sigh of relief and stupidly he says, finally. Yeah. He never learns, does he? I feel like, no, this is, yeah, it's never going to go well for them, is it? Not in this show. (laughs) Kemp enters the room and starts uh, planting things around the house. His men start planting things around the house. And he has a kind of a spirit reader. What would you call him? Uh, um, like a, a psychic, maybe a medium, maybe. Yeah, medium. That's the word I was looking for. Also, I realised isn't the guy in handcuffs? That's a bit odd. Yes, I guess. It's like, well, if he's come from their secure unit, I guess they don't want him to do a runner. True. Very extreme, but yeah. Also, yeah, I get it. He asks if there's any spirits in the house, and. Uh, he kind of describes it as there's a remnants of a spirit that there has been one, but they've just left. Yeah, Ugh, Mr. Camp is absolutely horrifying. And this is probably the his most horrifying bit of this episode, where he goes into each room spouting the Bible. Yeah, I also never noticed that uh, Mitchell has loads of horror posters in his room, which I thought was quite cool. <laughs> yeah, he's um. Yeah, he really doesn't care. He's just fully walking around the house. And he, um, yeah, he he's very menacing. Yeah, it's like spouting things like, then the king commanded me and brought forward Daniel. Now the king spoke and shared unto Daniel. Well, who's Daniel? What the fuck's he got to do with things? I know, I would like to know. I'm not well-versed on the Bible, but I feel like it was very weird verses to pick. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could have something more threatening, I suppose. But I guess, in you know, that obviously means something. But I think with Kemp, what I love about the arrival of Kemp, they've nodded at religion in series one but i think with kemp the subject of religion just explodes and they 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 cover it so much more detail in series two yeah they do and um i and kemp is terrifying but i do sort of like um i do like him and i i do think he really does a job of being absolutely horrifying 
and making religion look horrifying, which, yeah, I'm not going to say anything more about that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to get, like, cancelled. <laughs> oh, now I'm not going to be sponsored by the church. Church, Yorkshire tea, I'm reeling them all off now. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, all your hopes and dreams down the drain. <laughs> and, and that is it for episode one for series two. It's an ep- amazing episode. Love it. I think it gets even better from here. I know it's one of your favourite episodes. I think it just sets everything up perfectly. Yeah, watching it again, I sort of realised why it was. It just, yeah, it's great. I think it sort of, for me, sums up everything I love about the show. Yeah, the the intensity, the darkness, the comedy, the tea making. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you for having me. And that concludes another episode. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Box Tunnel Pod. On Instagram, Facebook, we are the Box Tunnel Survivors Group. If you want to contact me, uh, boxtunnelpod at gmail.com. And if you want to become a recruit, follow on your app of choice. And also, if you'd like to be an honorary old one and come on the podcast and talk about an episode of Being Human, contact me on that Gmail email. So that is it. I'm off to catch a flight to Baghdad. Wish me luck. was the Box Tunnel Podcast, and thanks.